All right. It says that we are live. Hey, it's, uh, well, it used to be Shidoshi Miller. Now it's Daishihan Miller. It's been for quite a while, but I haven't seen everybody in a while, right? I haven't, uh, this is the first time I've done, uh, one, I've done Kuden by myself, right? So this is a whole new format, right? Uh, for those of you who have been listening in uh, to Kuden, right? Uh, and, and, you know, if you haven't, it's okay. Um, I've got my little notepad here, so I don't miss anything today. Um, normally, I had uh, one of my students and uh, my co-host, uh, Shoshi uh, Eric White, uh, helping me with all these other ones. And since he was the radio god, I used to call him, right? Because he worked for a radio station and production and all that stuff, right? He handled all this background kind of stuff. So, uh, but life, you know, life happens and pulls things in different directions. So he's off doing some other stuff uh, in the world. And for a long time, I've been trying to figure out um, how I, again, life things happening here and there. So, this is my, uh, this is my, I don't know, <laughs> re-inauguration, something like that, right? Getting back on. This is almost also my first time using uh, YouTube Live, so I'm hoping this all works out <laughs> the way it's supposed to, right? So uh, you'll, if, if you've been around for a while, you watch the episodes, or you know me, whether you're one of my students or we've interacted in some other way, uh, you know that I'm very, very serious about the training, but at the same time, uh, life-wise, I tend to be really, really lighthearted, okay? So... Uh, that being said, if you're really offended about anything or whatever, uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. But if I said it, I meant it. So, you know, be a warrior and, you know, make decisions, right? So if I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay, right? If the uniform is too big for what you assume it should be, if whatever, even though I'm like 11 pounds down in the last uh, 16 days, right? Uh, whatever, right? I mean, I'm either your cup of tea or I'm not, and that's perfectly okay. Um, so anyway, a lot of firsts, right? So what I've been really trying to think about for a while is how I was going to restart this thing, right? I know I've sent out a couple of messages to some of the some of you folks that have been on uh, for a while and kind of following things, and I've mentioned it, but, you know, the questions kind of come up. How am I going to do it? What format? And those kind of things, right? So if you're listening on, uh, let's see, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher Radio, we're on Google Play, we're on TuneIn, we're on a whole bunch of podcast places. So if you're listening through that uh, or through our server connections or whatever, right, um, this is being recorded right now on, on YouTube Live, right? So uh, what you're listening to is the audio, audio stripped out. So, you know, if I make some reference to, you know, I've got my notes in my hand, you know, whatever, Um you're not seeing what other people are seeing. And that's fine, right? Just know that, that we're kind of setting this thing up. So moving forward, um, the plan is to simultaneously stream the live shows to not just YouTube, but Facebook and, and Twitter and some other things, right? So uh, we just get out there as much as possible, right? And then, of course, the recordings then will be pulled and the audio will be stripped and we'll upload those things again to iTunes and Stitcher and all those other places where we are. Um, but in the interim, right, if, if you're brand new to this, right, if you haven't followed Kuden or if you kind of like, I don't know, fell off the wagon or whatever, you want to go back and look at other uh, or listen to other episodes, uh, you can do that on one of my sites at modernninjawarrior.com forward slash Kuden dash podcast dash episodes. Right. And then you'll find the other 68 episodes uh, that we've done uh, in the past. Right. So this is episode 
69, as long as my uh, public school education has been, the math is working out, right? So here we are. But again, um, you know, the question has been, what am I going to do, right, to relaunch this? What, what, how should I start it off, whatever, right? And while I've alluded to some things in the past, what I really thought that I would do for this episode is tell you how I got here, right? Because, you know, based on student comments and emails that I get and my attempt to help people get over certain hurdles and, and get into training and things like that, what tends to come up is, well, you know, Sensei, I mean, you're you, right? And you had all these benefits and, you know, you got to do this, this and this and, you know, everything from I must have been wealthy and that's how I can travel to Japan and all these kind of things, right? To what it, what it really wraps around is I don't understand their their uh, circumstances, right? Um, I, I do, right? But how did I get here, right? So it's it's easy to look at an instructor or a teacher or soke, right? Have me sensei or any you know anyone that you're working with at the level where they are when you encounter them and get your head wrapped around the difference between where you are and where they are, right? It's very difficult to remember that we we all started out not here, right? Um, one of the things I do when I take students to Japan, uh, we'll go to Togakushi Mountain, right? Uh, Togakure view is named you know, this region, right? They renamed it at some point from Togakure to Togakushi, right? So, but anyway, there are these shrines that, that are dedicated to some of these uh, legends and things like that, that that we walk, right? And then there's a ninja museum up on the top of this mountain that Hatsumi Sensei uh, put things in, uh, all that stuff, right? But uh, again, three shrines. And so I'll take students on this pilgrimage, right? We'll walk this mountain. Uh, well, part of it anyway. It's a <laughs> really freaking high mountain. Anyway, so we'll walk this mountain, right? And we'll do these three significant shrines. And uh, the top one, right, um, just before we get to the shrine itself, there's like this little, there's a mountain stream that's like coming down most of the time that we're walking this thing, right? This mountain stream on the right is we're walking up and um, across this stream at one point, just make sure that my, my system doesn't die here on me. Electronics are great when they work. Anyway, so uh, there's this like fallen tree bridge, right? No handrails, no whatever. It looks like it's just kind of there, right? which kind of hides things from the idly curious, right? And if you look across to the other side of this stream, it's not very wide, right? But if you look across the stream, it's just an open plot, right? It's just this open, not even a field, right? It's kind of like be big enough to build a house or two uh, or a house with a big front yard or whatever, right? And there's a sign, obviously, with some Japanese writing on it, just this little sign, little, little thing, right? And um, so... What I do is I'll walk students across that, right, and kind of let them mill around a little bit. And I'll tell them that, you know, this site's significant to the local uh, Yamabushi uh, priest, right, the ones that are practicing Shugendo, right, the mountain ascetics and power seekers and things like that. And uh, as a matter of fact, one year I was up there and the snow was still on the ground. Well, some snow was still in certain places, right? It wasn't like all over the place. And over this on this field, right, this, this area, this plot was mostly clear, right? The snow was mostly melted. But there was a circle, right, that was a mounded circle, right, of snow, right, that was packed down. It was almost a perfect circle, right? 
It's pretty wide, right? And it was mounded, right? But it was a it was a donut, right? It was this big circle, right? It took me a while to try to figure this out, right? Crop circles, UFOs, you know, whatever, right? What it, what what I finally realized was, duh, this is a sacred site for these Yamabushi priests, right? And they'll come to this spot and they'll circumambulate this plot, right? Doing a little chanting and their power things and their kuji and, and things like that. Or they'll circumambulate this. Well, this was a snow that got packed down from like dozens of people walking in a circle for an hour, hours, whatever, doing this sacred blessing kind of thing, right? And ended up packing the snow. So that was going to melt slower than everything else. But it was a really cool thing, right? It was, it was a cool thing, right? But what makes this significant, right? It's not the shrine, right? I mean, if, if, you know, if I'm facing it, right? So, well, if you're facing me, if I turn around the shrines behind us, right? It's up these craggy stones, right? These stone steps, right? That are way bigger than the Japanese guys that would be climbing these things, right? And it would be up kind of in this direction, okay? So it's not there, right? That's not the shrine. It's just this empty plot. So what gives? Well, I let students mill around a little bit, right? And then I point out this sign and I let them know that hundreds of years ago, on this spot stood a dojo, right? Not Probably not what you're envisioning, but if you think old rustic building kind of thing, right? Uh, think old style Japanese, Chinese style temple kind of thing, right? There was a dojo. And this dojo is where Daisuke Nishina, who changed his name to Daisuke Togakure, right? The founder, well, the acknowledged founder of the Togakure school, his grandson actually founded it because the information that grandpa brought down from the mountains after meeting this guy named Kanidoshi and learning all this extra stuff, because he was a samurai, right? So he goes up there, he was on a losing side. There's a whole story behind this. We'll cover this in some other episode, right? But anyway, um, when uh, Daisuke Nishina, right, living in this area, way back, right, when he was a student, and this is what I tell students that are there, when he was a student at your level, he trained here, right? So we need to get our head wrapped around the idea that this grand master, this founder of a lineage that we look back on in awe, started out just like you, was a student doing hard training. And way back then he wasn't doing online training, right? So up on this mountain, raw, open, all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, that's one of the significant things, right? It's well, these things we need to remember, okay? So long story, less long, right? What I thought I'd do to kick off episode 69, right? This whole new format is to take you back and explain how, how I went from a bullied abused and terrified child to this point where, uh, you know, I'm Daishihan in this ancient thing, right? With modern applications, obviously, right? Because that's how we focus, right? Went to becoming, again, this is not, this is not a horn blowing, anything like that, but sometimes it, it throws me, right? I went from this terrified child who was God, in fear of violence, mental, emotional, physical, 
whatever, practically every day, right? Me, my brother, my two sisters, every day to being an internationally recognized and published author, lecturer, right? I've, I've consulted, I've consulted with companies like Nissan and, and uh, big universities and, and stuff like that, right? Um, published books and, and created programs and, you know, traveled to Japan how many times, right? Um, now I'm positioned, well, Hatsumi Sensei's retired, but, you know, one of his last acts was to promote a final group of us to this level, right? Um, how did I get here, right? And I think what would be helpful, I hope what would be helpful is to explain my journey, right? To let you know that this was not, <laughs> this was not a cakewalk, right? This was not, this is not an easy thing, right? So th there's a couple of phases to this, right? And again, that's why the notes are here. So I can make sure that I'm, I'm not glossing over something, but I'm also not skipping something that's significant, right? I, I think that, I think that you need to know this, right? Um, and if you don't, that's okay. That just makes me another one, one, another one of the not your guy kind of thing, right? Um, not that I'm trying to be anybody's guy. What I'm trying to do is kind of explain my path, my journey. And through these podcast episodes, you'll get a chance to see what my focus is, right? And, and how I think about these things and all that. And if that's helpful and usable and, you know, you want to do more with me, great. You know, and if not, that's great too, Right. That would save both of us a whole lot of time, effort, energy, resources, and whatnot to discover that this was this was not a good thing, right? So anyway, uh, like I said, I wanted to kick off the series um, by, by telling you a little bit about how I got here, right? How I went, again, from that literally terrified, bruised, nearly broken, definitely traumatized child to to here right so again it, it really starts out I'm a kid right I'm living in this home my mom uh, married this guy when I was 15 months old so uh, I think I met my real father once when I was four five give or take right uh, anyway uh, so she marries this guy, right? And um, let's let's just say that you know children can tend to over exaggerate or have a skewed view of parental discipline, and you know, kind of see it as well. That was harsh. I'm not doing that with my kids, or they were mean to me, or what? You get that, right? I mean, I'm a parent, and so I I know how that works, right? Um, let's just say that <laughs> this wasn't the case. Okay. I'm laughing about it now because I can, right? Um, but I have a stepfather who not only criticized, belittled, and broke my spirit, broke my sense of confidence in myself at a very, very early age, but that just that alone, right, broke that broken confidence, right? caused a whole lot of secondary damage to happen, right? Because of the bullying in school, right? Uh, bullies are like uber attracted to people with low, low self-esteem. Uh, there's certain body characteristics and all that that I came to study along the way. But either way, right? Uh, it wasn't just that way, but this guy was also <laughs> physically violent and abusive, right? Often to choose to hit me or my brother, or my two sisters, 
wherever the fist landed, right? And it could be because we, you know, we misbehaved, we did something wrong, or he was just having a bad day, right? Uh, so, again, I know kids can, you know, exaggerate that kind of thing, but this this went way beyond. I apologize for continuing to look down for those of you guys who are on the Facebook, th- or not, not Facebook, the YouTube thing. Uh, for those of you who wonder why I'm not doing this Facebook Live or this thing on Facebook Live, um, this warrior made a comment about an injustice in the world, and that was unacceptable to Facebook. So um, they put me in a corner. <laughs> I can post and all that kind of stuff on there, but I'm not allowed to go live for another, I don't know, two weeks or something like that because uh, that's their way of getting you to comply, right, um, and throw away things like free speech and and. Uh, personal opinion and, and personal power and things like that. So um, here we are. Anyway, all right. So uh, again, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything, right? So what what I really, I, I could just tell you, you know, I, I live with this guy and all that, but the amount of fear that I and my brother and sisters felt daily was just, the only word I can come up with is, is, is excruciating, right? The, the room, the, the house felt lighter and we could breathe and we were relaxed when he was sleeping or he was at work. When he was at home, everybody, mom included, walked on eggshells, everyone. This, this was a person who it was going to be his way or the highway or the hospital or what it went he, he didn't intentionally move to the hospital. I didn't end up in the hospital. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he didn't intentionally go in that direction because he was really good, as most monsters and bad guys are, really good at navigating around to make sure that the cops didn't show up. All right. So, um, but I, again, I don't know if I can adequately to convey just how terrified this man was. But if you've ever been around anybody like this, right? And hopefully you've grown beyond that. I know I have, right? And when I'm around somebody like that, I, I think what ends up happening is they pick up on cues that they don't want to butt heads. So they tend to go away. Or if they flare, I laugh because I've developed the skills necessary to do that. If the person is somebody that's truly violent and or not truly violent, but truly somebody that I don't think I can handle, or I don't want to test that, right? This art has allowed me to disappear before we even engage. So this assessment, right? So anyway, we'll talk about that along the way and how, you know, the typical approach to self-defense or getting into martial arts to become invincible, right? Um, is I found that invincibility has a whole different shape than what most people think. But anyway, so I, I, again, I don't know if I can adequately convey this. So, but I, I truly do believe that this guy dreamed, dreamt in violence, right? And, and I say that because I remember once we we're all at home. He's sleeping on the couch. The, the man slept the better part of his life away, avoided work, just crap, right? Um, grew up poor because. Not that he didn't have a good job, not that he wasn't making money, but he called off more often than not, right? So it's just dumb shit. Anyway, I mean, let's just say that I learned how to be a man by reverse engineering those lessons, and my martial arts teachers taught me the life skills that I didn't get the first time around, 
had it not been for a grandfather on my mom's side and my martial arts teachers, you and I wouldn't be having this little moment, right? So anyway, um, we were all at home, we're watching TV, he's sleeping on the couch, and all of a sudden, just just abruptly out of nowhere, I mean, just, you know the feeling you have when somebody sneaks up behind you and, you know, boo, right? You jump out of your freaking shorts and almost pee yourself or whatever. He snapped awake that fast, sat up, screamed at my sister who was sitting across the room, right? So we're, we're in this, this room, uh, you know, I remember where I was sitting, I was sitting on the end of the couch, he was sleeping, I'm barely on the couch, right, with one butt sheet because I can't disturb this guy, right? And we're watching this television that's that's on the wall at the front door. Um, and then, you know, this is the couch is along one wall, the sofa, whatever you guys call that, right? And then across the room, there's another window, and then there's a chair kind of diagonally, right, pointing in. So my youngest sister, Anna, is sitting in this chair, right? He snaps awake, sits up, screams her name picks up a work shoe and throws it across the room, hits her right in the face, breaks her nose. She's bleeding all over the place. Of course, in an instant, just like all freaking abusers, right? He's instantly apologetic, except that if that shit's not in there, it can't come out, right? So just one of these things. So we're all in shock. Nobody knows what to do, right? We're all terrified, right? He's trying to make up for it. And then within 15 minutes, it's like, Nothing ever happened because he got the nosebleed to stop and, you know, whatever. Right. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. You meant it in your dream and then that turned into reality. The hell. Right. So the point is here is I, I learned at a very early age about the monsters, about these people who think that they can just, and whatever reason, right. This guy had a sixth grade education. He was not super smart. Right low on the self-esteem level, right? But he built a family by iron fist and that's where he was in control. I remember one time, uh, this is this is one of those re realizations that he was not what he always presented to us, but I was not, I was very, very young and I was not in a position to be able to, 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 to counter that or to escape from it. I mean, I could have run away, but who the hell knows what that's gonna happen or what's gonna happen, right? Uh, it could be serving tea to some slave owner in some third world country. Anyway, so um, we're walking across the street, right, from our home to the car that we, we lived in this apartment complex. And, uh, you know, so the parking for our, for where he parked our car was across the street, right? So we come across this main road and there's four of us, right? Just these little ducklings in a row. And this guy comes flying down the road, right? And of course my dad, trying to be the protector, right? Yells, hey, slow down, right? This guy screeches, hits the brakes, screeches. I can still smell the smoke from the rubber, right? Comes to a stop right in the middle of the street. Didn't care enough to go the speed limit. He's not going to care that he's blocking traffic, right? Doesn't just wind down his window and scream. He hops out of his car and comes charging at my stepdad. And my stepdad folds, Hears voice crackling, you know, those people that walk around with their chest puffed out and all that. But as soon as they're challenged, they break. You can see it, right? I saw it, right? You know, oh, you almost hit my kids. And this guy's. So here's this tyrant who's what we often call a little Napoleon, right? Not Napoleon wasn't strong and powerful and all that. You get the idea, right? This little freaking whatever. Anyway. So, but that didn't, that didn't save us, right? That didn't protect us because I was, maybe at that point I was seven, eight years old. So I'm easily, 
a decade from moving out on my own, right? So uh, again, you know, it just, I don't know, let me just keep, keep going with this, right? Another particularly vivid memory from a very young age, right? Really, really young. I must have been, oh God, because I don't think my brother was born yet. So if I do the math, God, it was maybe, my brother was born when I was almost six. So I had to be four, five years old, something like that. And so my mom, I, I mean, you know, I come to find out that she's being physically abused and all that, and, you know, whatever. Right. But her defense mechanism, right. So I guess part of helping her out of this, even though she, she could have left, she could have taken it. She could have done anything. Right. I don't have any resentment at this point. I love my parents. Even my, my stepfather's passed away and all that. This, this training and this art has allowed me to look at things in a different light because had they not done things the way they did again, I don't know that I would have survived half the shit that I've survived. I don't know what, I, what I've put up with the training that we did way back in the day before everything became soft training. Uh, and there's a time and a place for that. I don't mean to make it sound bad, but people that freaking rely on that, just, I can tell, I can, I can see that in their eyes too. Anyway. So, um, where was I? I apologize. Um, so there's an argument. And again, my mom's typical fashion to redirect the rage from her. She blames the children. And I, I don't remember the argument. I remember yelling and screaming because it happened a lot. And all I remember is us being in one of the bedrooms. And my mom, I don't know what she was doing. She was in there yelling through the doorway and she blamed us and he said you know what i'll fix that he goes to the kitchen comes back with this well they don't look so big now right but when i was five this giant enormous freaking butcher knife and she immediately bars the door right puts her body in there and he says really the kid's fault i can fix that how about if i just chop them all up and put them in a freaking uh he didn't use the word freaking right? Um, trash can. That'll solve the problem, won't it? And she's pleading and screaming. And we're, again, we're just freaking huddling and hiding behind her. And I can still see him. I can still see him standing in the doorway with this thing, right? And just, you know, I'm five. How do you, right? So anyway, so there's that, right? Um, but there was a turning point. I'm, I'm still young, right? I'm still, now I'm maybe eight, nine years old or whatever. And there's this other one there, the, the moment that, that did it, that set me on this path. I know it. I know it. And then everything after that just reinforced the path, right? But this path has looked different at different points in my life. But so it wasn't always ninja to in martial arts and all that, but the path. We're living in a different place. I'm in the kitchen, sun's coming through, spring, summer, something like that uh, is, you know, I'm in shorts and, and whatever, right? Fairly young kid. And um, I'm looking into the living room area. Again, we live in this apartment complex and uh, they're having this fight upstairs. And all of a sudden I hear this sickening, moaning kind of just, just anyway, 
So I go to look and just, I'm terrified. I go to the, the kitchen living room kind of archway separation. And I look and there's my mom stumbling down the steps, holding her body. And she comes down the steps. Now the official story after this was my mom fell down the steps, fell down the steps. She's holding herself and, and I'm just, I'm terrified. And all of a sudden she, she drops to her knees and she's calling for my stepdad. Help me, help me. He's yelling, F you, whatever, whatever happened, you deserved it, whatever. And, um, she somehow ends up on her back. And all I remember is her turning her head toward me and saying, Jeff, get help, please. And before I ran out the door, I watched the consciousness drain from her eyes. I, I ran across the street to a, to a neighbor. They come, they you know, called police, ambulance and all that. She gets rushed to the hospital. Um, here he had punched her in the rib, broke her rib, and in the process of moving and all that and getting her to the hospital and all that, um, it not only stabbed but sliced up her spleen. So she doesn't have a spleen these days. Right? She's 81. She survived and all that kind of stuff. But um, I remember that moment. And he was terrified. He was terrified because for days she was in the hospital and she had all this internal bleeding, but they couldn't find it. You got to remember this was – God, 1967, maybe eight, somewhere in there, right? Um, really far back, right? It was not even in the 70s, right? So medicine still pretty good, but not like it is today, right? Didn't have all the kind of scanning and all that. So she literally lost like five pints of blood before they figured out that she was hemorrhaging from a, from a destroyed organ, right? And he was terrified. He was terrified that when she regained consciousness, she was going to tell cops and all that. Never happened, right? Just bullshit. Anyway, so <laughs> we're at home again, terrified, right? And the, the only thing that saved us then, he boy, did he treat us well during that time. Right? I remember that, right? And then she's out of the woods, and then he starts going rifling through her drawer, dresser drawers, and all that. Finds money that she squirreled away in a purse, steals that, right? All kinds of crap, right? Um, anyway, so just bullshit stuff, right? But it was that moment. That, that, that experience, when I, I vowed that when I grew up, right, I was going to grow up to, one, be the opposite of this monster, right? I don't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to be the opposite of that monster, right? Two, I was going to learn whatever it was that I had to learn to never be afraid, to never be terrified or in anguish or whatever, like that, ever again. Ever, 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 ever. Do you, do you feel me? Ever, right? And I also vowed that I was going to become a protector. And I was going to pretend to become a protector for other people who could not do it for themselves. I used to say could not, would not, but would not. I, I can't help somebody who won't, right? And I'm not taking a bullet for somebody that, that won't. I'm, I'm sorry, right? I just As a warrior, if you're not drawing lines in the sand, right, and maintaining that line, you're not a warrior. You're a mouth with legs. Anyway, so I, I, I know that moment. I know that fucking moment. Excuse my language. I know that moment. 
So part of me today thanks him. for showing me that was my initiation because then I ran into bullies in school because I was, I always knew that I was destined for more, but between him and then, you know, subsequent bullies and all that name calling and just demeaning and just getting started. Right. I would come up with all kinds of excuses as to why I couldn't. Anyway. So again, the goal was twofold. Okay, the desire, and I don't mean it was just a goal. This was a burning, burning desire. And I think without that, you're not going to weather challenges, right? The reason to do it has to be better than the reason to stay where the hell you are and dream about it. We'd really like to. Yeah. When are you going to change that? Anyway, so this, this desire was twofold, right? The first, again, was to study as many martial arts and self-defense systems as possible, right? I mean, that was that was just where I, I was, right? I mean, how do I do that? And what put me on the on the path for that was in junior high school. We didn't call it middle school then. We called it junior high school. That sounds more cool than, like, being stuck in the middle, right? <laughs> anyway, there was this karate club that formed after school. I wasn't a physical kid. I wasn't athletic or whatever. What I knew was that I, I needed the bullies to stop and I needed to not be damaged by this guy. So it was an after school thing. So I joined this, except that he was so heavy handed that he knew how long it took me to walk home from school. So if I was late, I got grounded. We got grounded for a week. That's when I learned that there was, <laughs> there was this defiant streak in me, not defiant, like I'm breaking laws and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to stand up for what I believe to be right even if I'm standing and even if it kills me. If you stand up for something and then you fold when the pressure's on or you're in danger, just no freaking wussy that, that, that tries to sound tough, right? It's, it's easy to call yourself a warrior. It's easy to just call, use the word in light and wisdom and all that shit, right? It's a whole different thing to walk it do I think I'm a warrior? I still think I'm on the warrior's path. I don't know that I would use that term. Um, I try to engage the world. I try to be that protector, right? Um, but not, do I think I'm enlightened? Well, I think I'm more awake than most people, right? I don't know that I would use the term enlightened. As a matter of fact, anybody that uses the term or that I self-identifies as enlightened, right? I think they should be shot because they're Enlightened people still see the horizon just as far ahead of them as you see it ahead of you. So it doesn't matter how far down the line you see the so-called enlightened one. They still see. So that's what I see. I st so and do I understand things more to a greater degree? Yeah, but there's still so many things I'm working on on me and in the world and, and all that kind of stuff that I'll still be learning the moment I close my eyes for the last time. Right. So, but anyway, right. So that was one, that was one part of the desire. Right. And then the other one was to become a police officer in order to protect those people who could protect themselves. Okay. So that, that was the, that was the thing, right. That, that just seemed logical to me, right. Here are these guys and based on TV shows that I saw and movies and all that, right. When I go through the police Academy, I'm going to learn some self-defense and I'm going to be able to protect myself and protect other people, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then <laughs> fast forward a couple of years 
And now a cop, right? Now I, I actually started my law enforcement career in the uh, U.S. Army. So I became a military policeman. And that was a fluke, too, because the minimum height for a military policeman in U.S. Army, at least when I enlisted, was 5'8". And I'm like 5'6 and change, right? But nobody wanted to sign up to be MPs because, you know, then during that time, just like today, right? Cops have a bad reputation, right? It is this cultural, social thing, right? So nobody was signing up to be the pig, the you know, whatever, right? So there was there was a shortage, right? So they suspended that requirement. So <laughs> the upside is I got in. The not so upside was that no matter where I went, whatever unit I was in, I was the shortest guy there. And in one unit, I earned the nickname of walking small instead of walking tall. So anyway, right? But let's just say what I lack in stature, I make up for in enthusiasm. And if the circumstances are just right, I can be pretty freaking enthusiastic about making that go away. Anyway, so I'm in the Army, right? Um, this is exactly where I want to be, right? I'm in there. They didn't. These people that raised me, right, did not have the savings, the money, or whatever. They weren't able to put me through college. Uh, I lacked the education or even the the self-belief that I had what it took to fill out applications and get student aid or anything. I had no idea about any of this stuff, right? So my thought was, you know, education, all the job experience, and all that kind of stuff. I'll go in the military. I'll do this thing, right? So I did this, right? It was where I wanted to be, except, well, one, right? All those images that I had about cop training and getting self-defense and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, boy, was that wrong, <laughs> right? Um, in my whole training schooling, right, I had like two or three afternoons, and I mean like maybe a three-hour block, right? So my joke these days with programs like that is I was a graduate of Thursday's class at three o'clock, right? So um, what I learned during those things were what I have come to call the government six, right? Um, there were these, I think it's like six techniques, right? These little static things, right? Based on, I think, Aikido or whatever, right? I learned these things that were just enough for the government to cover their own ass because I was trained, okay? Just enough that I knew, shit, if I want to learn more, I'm going to have to do this on my own because this is not going to happen here, right? So that was one, right? Second thing um, is most of what I learned, right? Because through this time from, from, you know, the high school thing, so I, uh, or the junior high school thing. And then I started, I started doing these other martial arts and self-defense systems, right? Um, God, I did Aikido. I did two forms of jujitsu, uh, half a dozen forms of karate, taekwondo. Uh, there was a form of Kung Fu that was on the, uh, the, uh, installation that I was stationed at in uh, South Korea, Jikundo, a bunch of things, right? So, but here I am, I'm, I'm a police officer, right? There are use of force rules, the self-defense doctrine, there's all that stuff. So what I found was that most of the stuff that I was learning via martial arts, right, um, was not usable, okay? Wasn't usable on the street because of liability reasons, okay? I didn't need a police brutality charge, right? Um, <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> I didn't need a police brutality charge. I've got this image in my head. I've never done this, right? But I'm thinking, transfer what you see in the movies that everybody thinks is cool, and then take that on the street, right? And imagine the image of a cop doing a flying jump kick to the face of some perpetrator, right? 
holy crap, the world would be on fire, right? So maybe in some other country that's allowed, but here, uh, yeah, no, right? So it just was not usable, right? But here's this other part of me, right? By this point, I'm married. I've got, let's see, Korea, I had one kid. By the time I was stationed at Germany, no, Fort Bragg, two kids, right? So I'm a dad. I'm a husband, right? So I didn't want to be a killer, right? I didn't want to be uh, a fighter. I didn't didn't want to be one of these super tough guys, right? What I wanted was the ability to protect myself and my family and myself and others on the job, right? Um, and, and, And... you know, again, others of my choosing and things like that, right? Without, without, right? Losing my job, without going to jail or getting sued, right? Um, and if you don't know about that, right, then your eyes aren't open because most self-defense and martial arts schools don't, aren't covering this, right? Um, um, I, you can be sued by the same thug that jumped you. Civilly, they can sue you for damages. Okay, if your training's not covering that, there's a problem. Okay, if your training's not covering how to stay out of jail post incident, that you actually have to start pre incident. Anyway, right? Or there's a third one, right? I don't have to worry about the assailant's revenge. Their, them, or their friends, their family, whatever, ten of them, right? What, however, number, number, right? Coming back to attack me or my family at home, or shopping mall parking lot or whatever. These are serious considerations. Okay? We'll talk about this in some other episode, but the fight's not over or the, t- the attack's not over just because you drop this guy and you're superhero guy or girl. It's just it's not over. Okay? It's three attackers for every every one attack. And I don't mean there's three people attacking you. I mean there's three attackers on this timeline. Again, we'll talk about this some other time, right? So here I was, right? I was, I I felt stuck, right? I'm stuck with no other options, but training in these different martial arts and systems, because that's all I've got. And then trying to sift through and use the things that are going to work on the street or to keep me out of jail or whatever. So I've got to learn to assess. I've got to learn to pick and choose and, in all honesty, ignore 80% or better of what's being taught because while it, you know, might win a fight in a ring, except for all those extra rules, right? There are things you're allowed to do there. It might win on a battlefield where there are no rules, right? Um, it might win if nobody finds out, but who the hell wants to look, go, go through their life, you know, having protected yourself or your family and then looking over your shoulder constantly either for him or his nut job friends or the law. Some DA that wants to make a name for himself and use you um, as, a, as a launching point for his mayoral or governor or whatever political career, right? Or some cops or whatever, right? So how do you do that, right? Well, I discovered that, but that's, that's for later, right? So anyway, let me just keep going with this, right? So um, so I'm still, I'm still a military policeman, right? And so one, one day I, I had this, this much needed day off because, I mean, we were working 12 hours on, 12 hours off. We were supposed to be working three 
uh, 12 hours, three days, uh, uh, days, three hours or three days night shift. So 12, 12 off, 12 off, 12 off, just rotated. And then three days off, which is really more like a day and a half to two days off because if you're coming off a night shift after three days, you're sleeping a freaking day. Anyway, so I went from that duty station to another one where we're supposed to be on a week, off a week, on a week, training week, like soldier training week kind of thing. And we were working 21 to 45 days straight with no, no days off, no break. Anyway, so I've got this, I've got this, this much needed day off. And along the way, right, in, in my training with all this stuff, I'm trying to look at everything. Remember what that first goal was, right? Learn as many different martial arts as possible, as many, many of these skills. A lot of you can relate to this, right? That's why MMA became so, so popular, right? Because it looked like a synthesis of all this stuff, right? <laughs> the irony is that ninjutsu was MMA long before MMA was cool, right? Like centuries. <laughs> anyway, so, I'm, I'm, I'm so I've collected these martial arts magazines. And so I'm going through. I, mean, I, I remember going through and reading everything. I'm reading the ads. I'm reading the introductions. I'm reading the letters to the editors. I'm reading every article, right? And <clears throat> anyway, leading up, well, I'll get back to this in a minute, right? I'm going to say this little, funny little thing, right? But anyway, I'm reading along and I get to this article, right? And it's this article about this obscure, like nobody knows this art, right? Ninjutsu, right? The art of the ninja, right? And I'll tell you about that in a moment because it made me chuckle, but I was reading everything and I'm bored, so why not? Let's see what these yahoos are all about. Right. Within two to three paragraphs, I knew that I found what I was looking for. All that stuff in the past where I was going to train and all this stuff and try to figure everything out and, you know, synthesize it and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and, and get the things that, and, you know, try to fill in the, the spackle, the, the, the holes. Right. With things like assessment and all these things that are soft skills that nobody ever talks about. Right. Um, I knew within two or three paragraphs. Holy shit. The more I read, right? Now, this article was actually an excerpt. <laughs> Here's the funny part. It was an expert excerpt from this book that's actually the first in a series of like seven books that are now all put together, right? By this guy named Stephen Hayes, right? First Westerner, or first uh, American anyway, to go to Japan, learn with the Grandmaster, bring this art back, right? So, you know, and I don't care what you think of this guy, right? I'm, I'm, not connected with him anymore, but I show respect because he, he was the, if it wouldn't have been for him, we'd all be freaking doing Taekwondo or, or whatever. Right. So, um, anyway, so <laughs> anyway, so, um, long before this, right. I'd gone through these magazines and all that. Right. And I kept seeing this book popping up. Right. And just, it was this, well, then they printed everything in black and white. But anyway, um, it was this cover, right. And had this guy in a, what I looked like to me, looked like a terrorist mask. Right. And it just said ninja, right? So um, I'm uh, <laughs> every time I saw this, I would roll my eyes and think, shit, people will buy and sell anything, right? And I just and then I bump into this article and like the light bulb goes off, right? And then I'm geeking out. I'm trying to learn everything about this. I'm trying to, you know, sort out the stuff I've already learned and how that relates here. And oh, just just anyway. So so again, if I've lost you, right, and you're, you're still listening or your eyes are still rolling, right? Because um, some people that are listening to this are on the, in the self-defense or survival world, and they're not in the Nietzsche world where a lot of my uh, connections and, and students are at this point, right? So if you're rolling your eyes, right? So, you know, you, you might be thinking, right, ninja, right? Like, <laughs> okay, like turtles, uh, 
like these cheesy martial arts movies where these guys are running into a freaking, uh, you know, multi-story business building or whatever and taking on hundreds of freaking mafia or mercenaries armed with Uzis, right? And they've got nothing but, like, um, throwing stars and a sword, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me stop you right there. Because <laughs> if you believe in that image, and I don't care if you're training in Ninjutsu or supposedly or not, and these are your images, then I can't I can't help but wonder if you also believe that there's a guy in blue leotards wearing a red towel on his back with a big red S on his on his chest that's flying around and saving people and bending steel and all that stuff, right? I mean, come on, right? You can base your reality on on movies, okay? In a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago. Maybe. Anyway, I wasn't there. So now I don't mean those, right? So I mean the martial system that was designed and used that was designed to use whatever was at hand, okay, um, including stealth, escape and evasion, and other unconventional tactics, right? Let me make sure I don't miss anything off my notes here because I want to be real clear about this, right? That would allow a smaller, weaker, basically outgunned target, okay? Somebody who was supposed to lose, right? Because if you got the bigger, stronger army, more skills, more weapons, more, duh, you're supposed to win. But this heart flips that, right? So it allowed them to win, to survive against whatever, right? And on top of that, the cool icing on the cake was there's all these life skills. There's all these, you know, old ancient, you can see this model I got hanging up and all that kind of stuff, right? This life philosophy that allows you to live in accordance with nature, not just for self-defense, but for success, right? What I promise my students when they come in here and, and or they're doing online programs, you know, my my approach to this is is making sure that everybody knows that this this stuff, ninpo, needs to includes all this stuff, right? So this this system allows you to literally, not not theory, literally. Create the life you've always dreamed of living. And it gives you the skills necessary for protecting that freaking life from anything that might threaten it, anyone who might harm it. Do you know how many different martial arts, self-defense systems, meditation, spiritual, academic things? You'd have to freaking study consistently to get what this one thing does. And yet there's still people out there running around trying to fill in the gaps I'm suggesting that maybe you're filling in the gaps because what you've learned so far or who you've learned it from or how or how they're translating the art is not quite what it's supposed to be. But this is my approach, so I could be the guy that's wrong. I could, And I'm okay with being so far in left field, I'm parking cars in the parking lot. But you know what? I'm the guy I am today. I have the family I have today. I have the life I have today. And I'm helping so many people because this stuff works. And it's only going to get better the more I continue to understand it at deeper and deeper levels. Anyway, all right. So think about this, right? I talked about this earlier. Nijutsu, historically, was MMA before MMA was cool. All the stuff that these guys did to try to create this MMA thing, right, to bring 
because there's holes in all these conventional martial arts today because everything was separated over time, right? Everything they tried to create, even Bruce Lee, and I'm not knocking Bruce Lee, tough guy, skilled guy, right? Even everything that he was putting together, there's this stuff that was, it's only already been around for 200 or 2000 plus years. So I'm going past the official uh, formulation of the lineages that are the nine schools that Hatsumi Sensei has soke ship too. Don't forget that he had the equivalent of 100 150 black belts in different systems before he found Takamatsu Sensei. But everybody wants to focus on the nine, even though there's all this other stuff. Musashi Ryu, Ito Ryu, all this stuff that's going on that we have. Not that you need to know the names, right? But everybody keeps fixating on things like they want to take all this stuff that allows you to have so much potential and they want to turn them into styles. So they're just another martial arts choice among martial arts choices. That's not what I discovered. And as I moved along, and it's been cool, but the road was not always so rocky. So, I mean, you know, normally this would be the end of this thing. But anyway, like I said, it took two paragraphs to convince me that this was not only the art that I was going to study, but that was the teacher I was going to go to for study. And, of course, that branched out. I made networks in Japan, I, I, you know, all these other teachers and things like that, right, all the way up to Chango Hatsumi Sensei. Right. So anyway. Right. So this thing, this this would fulfill my goal of being able to protect myself. Right. Got that. Right. And to be able uh, to allow me to protect other people. Right. Well, again, at least part of the goal. Right. Because while this new system was helping me to learn effective, proven, time tested, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, techniques and strategies. Again, I'm, I'm, ch I'm checking my notes because I don't want to leave anything out here. Right. Um, but it was also liability conscious because you were assessing as you moved along, right? Okay. Remember the ninja? Escape and evade, right? Do what you need to do, get out, right? So getting out, how about you don't need to escape jail if you don't end up there? And everybody's like, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. Yeah, you dumb shit. Really? Who's going to protect your wife and kids and who's going to protect your loved ones and your mom and all that when you're behind bars? Really? There's some half-sighted crap. Again, there's that puffed-out chest bullshit, right? So, but these are concerns. They should be concerned if you're not trying to be, you're not trying to make up for a low self-esteem and a piss-poor self-image. I know, because I had one. Okay? And I know part of that journey early on was these teachers helped realign that. So anyway, right? So um, I was able to use this stuff on the job, right? I could actually use this stuff without filtering. I mean, you're, you're always going to be filtering, right? But it was more based on use of force and what was appropriate than it was, this is our style, strike first, strike hard, drop his ass in a hole. That kind of thing, right? Or redirect things and pass it along. You know, there's only one way to do it, right? That's why people are running around trying to fill in the gaps, Anyway, but I got to tell you that from this point in my life, there is nothing more satisfying than to have to, to be in a moment where you have just the right technique come out of you. You didn't think about it. You didn't whatever. Right. Just the right technique come out of you at just the right time. When some just this enraged drunk or thug or insane monster is on you. Right. And you can feel their sweat, nasty, gross, 
fuck. Anyway, you can feel it. That sick, sour breath is in your face, right? So you're not just ducking punches and stuff like that. You, this is this is this is a bubble. This is an envelope of hell. Right? If you've never been there and you've imagined yourself defending against things, yeah. Okay. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If not, I just I anyway. So there's just nothing more satisfying than whipping like a Musha Dodi or something on somebody and laying them down, right? You know, applying a dolgeish or something like that, getting them over onto their on their stomach getting into cuffs or at least getting them restrained until the cops can, can arrive or whatever. Right. And then walking away and realizing, Holy shit, I did that. That's in muscle memory. That wasn't something I had to remember how to do. <laughs> I remember one time I did that <laughs> and actually it turned out to not be an attack. It was just some jack wagon in my unit. Right. I'm walking down the hallway after, after a long shift, long shift. Right. And I'm just exhausted and I walked home. I didn't drive my car. I let my wife have the car. We're in Germany. And uh, so I'm walking down this hallway. The wall's right here, right next to me, right? And then there's this door at the end. And these two guys come in. It's it's the beginning of a long weekend. I think it was maybe a Friday night or something, right? So they're coming in. There's this shorter guy, and he's just jabber-jawing. And the other guy's bigger, and he's the one carrying a case of beer and the snacks, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm lost in thought, right? So I'm thinking about, you know, things that I had to work on based on what the day was like and going home and trying to spend some time with my kids before I pass out and all that. And all of a sudden I hear, and you, right. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this, right. Covered, zip this guy into a, into a Musha Dori, laid him out on the floor and had a hand cocked, ready to go. And what broke through that that moment was, whoa, 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 I was just kidding. And that broke my state. And I reached out, took the fist hand, I patted him on the cheek, and I said, me too. I got up and I walked out, right? Got like three, four steps outside the door. And all of a sudden, that realization hit me that this is now, it wasn't just the art, it wasn't just the techniques I was learning. It was the training model that I was given by my teacher. It was the way we trained, the drills, and those kind of things that helped get things into deep muscle memory, into the subconscious storehouse, so that when they were needed, they came out, right? And there was that moment, right? And I was like, I wasn't even halfway to black belt yet, right? I had that moment. Have you ever done this, right? You realized, holy shit, I did that, right? And I remember just getting that warm, fuzzy feeling, and I went, yes. Right. Like it was just, you know, anyway, sorry. It was just wasn't it wasn't. Yes. Like I dropped this guy. It was. Yes. I mean, I'm getting this right. All those other years of dancing around through other things. Right. And having that doubt. Oh, shit. How will I know what to do, when to do, you know, whatever. Right. And all those things gone unanswered or being told, oh, you'll know, you know, whatever. Right. Um, just. Bullshit stuff. Anyway, so uh, it's just nothing that feels better than that. But, you know, so I had that for me, right? So, um, so again, I had that, right? So this art gave me all these things, right? And the things I was learning, the things that my teachers were, were having me look at, other than 
here's another kata with a new uh, Japanese uh, 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 magical name, right? And learn this. Da, da, da. Okay, now you have that one. Oh, look at all the ones you've collected on the scroll. Mm, you're a superhero. Mm, good. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Here's another rank. Oh, fantastic. Okay? So um, the things I was, I was being exposed to, like, don't forget the law. Don't forget the video cameras are always watching. Don't forget. You need to be able to, to articulate, not just in the court of law, but post-incident when the cops show up, you need to articulate and you, you need to be able to explain that situation in a way that makes sure that they understand that, you, that, that what you did was the minimum necessary to affect this because that's the self-defense law doctrine in most jurisdictions, right? And you can't just say that, right? Uh, what I did was the minimum necessary to uh, affect uh, to stop this guy, right? You need to be able to explain. Look, look, I, I backed off. I tried to, I tried to deescalate this guy. I tried to, I tried to talk him out of it. I tried, I tried to just stay away from him, right? And he wouldn't back. And then he pulled a knife, right? So you need to be able to do it so that you fit within the legal definition of self-defense, right? Everybody tries to look remorseful and explain themselves in court. Well, no shit. Everybody thinks that you're going to look remorseful in court. Here's ninja thinking, right? Everybody tries to look remorseful in court. Even the thugs and the gangbangers dress up in suits and show up for freaking court. Why? Because the lawyer told them to. Now they're going to try to look like an upstanding citizen. Tattoo all across their face and stuff. But they're going to try, right? All those jurors, the judge, everybody knows. Of course you look remorseful. Trying to save your own ass. Try using henso jutsu, disguise and impersonation. Even if you meant it, look like the victim who's more traumatized because they defended themselves than anything, right? So apologetic. Oh my God, I didn't, I, I didn't want to, you know, whatever, right? You need to sound remorseful, but everybody's strutting. All these martial artists and self-defense guys are strutting around at the scene, right? Oh, of course, I've studied all this fucking long. These guys tax me or my family, but drop them. You're going to jail doesn't matter if you were justified you come across sounding like a vigilante they're gonna lock you up good luck okay so my teachers exposed me to all these things right so i had you know beliefs and and what turned out to be false beliefs about things right and so there was this whole process of getting unstuck right how the curriculum should be laid out so that so the student could get all this like everyday self-defense stuff not just basics because that's the basics of the art, right? But the basics of, of these are the most common attacks that happen, right? Of, of the 95 to 98% of assaults that happen every day, right? In the Western world, there's this handful of attacks. And they're easily handled by what we consider to be basics because the average guy that's attacking you isn't, you know, they're, they might be enraged and strong and all that, but they're not trained killers, so how about if we work on that stuff first, regardless of what the, how the scrolls were laid out, because the scrolls were laid out for people who were already warriors, already fighters. They were getting involved in this training now, and there are no basics. Holy shit. What we're going to do is ninjanize the stuff you learned, and we're going to take your current level, right? You already have skeletons in the closet because you already won lots of fights, right? And so now we're going to make even better. Holy shit. What about the people that come into the program that don't have that experience? Okay, so that's so why curriculum looks very different, right? It looks different because I'm not just regurgitating stuff that I learned, right? But anyway, all right. 
So, um, but here's the big thing, right? What my training couldn't do for me was it couldn't undo the damage to the victims and their families that I was seeing every day as a police officer. Remember, I became a cop for the most altruistic reasons, right? I wanted to protect people from the violence, from the bad guys. And what I ended up feeling like was a glorified secretary, a uniform and a badge, doing reports on victims. Yes, we tried to catch people. Yes, absolutely, right? Sometimes we did. Then it was up to the courts as to whether they got punished and for how long and whatever, right? And that's called justice. It didn't bring people back to life. It didn't take away the scars or the trauma or the, the, the look in, in, in a parent's eyes or the victim's eyes of that anguish and that fear and that trauma that they were going to carry for the rest of their life. It didn't bring any of that back. So what the hell did I protect anybody from? I had such a sinking, sinking feeling, such a sense of loss and dissatisfaction. I was doing my job. Yes, I was, I was a show up and somebody's doing whatever. So they get arrested, they get taken, taken off or whatever. But the people, the person they're beating on, yeah, I know the EMTs and whoever's there to fix them. And <laughs> if you've ever been inside that bubble, you know the trauma that they potentially faced, and especially if they were one of these people, the vast majority of the people that this is so unthinkable they don't mm -mm. things like you know death and being attacked and violent rage and you know it's just safer to hide behind the well it's never gonna happen to me because i don't hang out with people like that i don't go to places like that i don't dress like that i don't really cool hope that works out for you and then when it doesn't oh the amount of trauma right this is things i try to convey to my to my consulting clients right these leaders in in big businesses and all that that you know, they want to throw whatever Band-Aid program uh, so their, their employees can be graduates of Thursday's class at 3 o'clock, right? Except they are, <laughs> these people are going to go back. Half of them, at least, didn't want to be there for the training. They're getting paid to not work, right? So they don't care, right? Maybe 10% care, but those 10%, they're not security-minded people to begin with. So how do they take that, that Band-Aid program and translate that to their work environment, to their job, to the, how, how do they do that, right? So, but even these, you know, these folks that are so wrapped up in numbers and, you know, what's going to cost to us and what the return on investment, which I got really good at explaining, right? So you pay me this much and what you're doing is you're putting, I'm going to put something in place for you or help you put something in place to save you from a 500000 to $3 million loss at the other end if something happens. Right. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Right. That that wakes some of them up. But then they still want to just throw freaking jello at the wall and hope it sticks like artwork. Right. Um, but I hope that everybody wants to be a protector. I hope that people that are in leadership positions get this, that you better be right, because if your beliefs are wrong, if the stuff you're training with is wrong, if what you're doing is wrong, if your approach is wrong. And something happens. If it happens to you and your stuff is wrong, no matter how many techniques you know, no matter how high your belt level is, if it's wrong, I'm going to tell you the same thing one of my teachers told me. Right? Your family is black. 
you know, your memorial service, they better look good in black. Okay. And if it doesn't happen to you, you better be the coldest socio or psychopathic individual in the world to be able to look your traumatized employees and their family or the family of dead employees in the eyes in the aftermath and be able to look at the same kind of anguish and, and broken spirits that I was looking at. Holy shit. I, I would rather you kick me in the groin and punch or punch me in the face like hard, knock me out. than me have to look at that and see that. That's just, wow. Anyway. So actually what, what all this did, right. Being a police officer, seeing even more different types of violent animals than the one that raised me, right. Different types of bullying and harassment than the people that I encountered. Right. I got a chance to see all the faces that violence can take, right? Different types of monsters, manipulators, and all that kind of crap, right? Um, and then, you know, so the training, and then the training exposed me to these other things, right? And, and caused me to do research to look at the different ways that people fight and, and apply violence and all that, right? So, but, but what it really did was it amplified my own feelings from childhood, right? Not my own fear and anxiety. That was that was really fading away, right? Because my confidence, my level of power and control over my own world was just, was just way beyond what I ever hoped for, right? So that was that was cool, right? But um, what it did was it added the, the feelings about monsters being out there, right? And, and I'm using the word monster, right? People can say violent people or attack, no, monsters, right? These are animals, right? So... What it did also was it added a whole other layer, okay? And it added a layer that was just made up of guilt. And like I said, a sense of loss and helplessness because I had to look into these eyes. I had to look at this, this, these looks of anguish and fear and, and just I had to look at the trauma, right? And I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't bring the bodies back to life. I couldn't, I couldn't save them after that, right? I'll talk about some of these other stories along the way that really expressed why I believe what I believe today and why I take such a hardline stance. I don't care who believes me or who, who, goes, who, who buys into that, right? Because those who really want the problem solved, these are things they better understand. If they don't, they're just fucking fooling, excuse my language, they're just fooling themselves. Sorry, I'm getting heated, right? So uh, again, yes, I could catch bad guys. Yes, I could put them away. But again, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't undo the damage. Right. So that's when I made this huge transformational change. And I went from, I'm still a student. I'll always be a student. I, I, I wrote this master's creed a long time ago. That was the day I cease to be a student is the day I'm no longer fit to be a teacher. And I truly do believe that, but I made a transition from just being student only doing this stuff to protect me and my family and people I choose to protect. Right. To, protect, to teaching other people, to sharing and teaching other people how to do it for themselves, okay? Because think about this, right? My goal originally was to protect people, right? But um, it, it, that, that changed, right? Because I knew that there are only so many ways that I can do that, right? It doesn't matter if I was a cop or I'm a bodyguard or a security guy, whatever, right? I can only protect one person, maybe a small group, 
two or three at a time. But my desire is to help as many people as possible protect themselves and stay safe and, and, and survive against those monsters, right? That's never changed, right? So again, my biggest transformation came when I decided to quit police work, to no longer think of myself as a protector, right? I mean, to, again, think about it, right? I, I can only protect so many, so many people at a time, one-on-one, right? For the police to protect you. That's a big belief that people have, right? It's the job of the police. Uh, no, it isn't. The Supreme Court's already ruled. It's the job of the police to protect the public at large, not individuals. That doesn't make them bad people, but if they're already off on a separate thing and there's not nobody else available when you need help, <laughs> you're it, Bubba. You're it. You got to do it, right? And if you can't, uh, I guess you should have learned something. So anyway, I, I, I know I'm, I sound like an asshole sometimes, and, and I own that, right? So anyway... Right. So again, that's when I decided to become a teacher, right? Teaching others how to do it for themselves, right? So that they could keep themselves, their loved ones, other people of their choosing, right? Uh, off of the victim line on a police report. They could keep themselves out of the emergency room. They can keep themselves out of the morgue, right? We're going to all get there someday anyway, but who then wants to get there because you were an accomplice to your own ass kicking because you didn't do the things you needed to do to stop the monster, right? I mean, just, anyway. So that's, that, that major change, right? Was what I decided was gonna be the thing that would allow me to serve the best. Okay? You know the term samurai, right? Samurai comes from the verb samurai, right? It means to serve, okay? So samurai is one who serves. It's not the badass that bosses everybody around. Anyway, so here's my thing, right? Here's here's this here's here's the end thing, right? I, I mean, I I got what I wanted, but it just didn't look like what I what I thought it was going to look like when I set out, right? So and, and don't don't take this thing with me put, uh, quitting, you know, law enforcement and all that is somehow knocking them, right? I have. I have shit ton of, expect, uh, of respect for these guys, right? Especially now, right? You take a small bundle of bad apples and now the internet's allowed everybody to think that every cop is, you know, a monster, right? Um, so uh, I have a lot of respect for them, right? And somebody has to do it. But that's not where I found satisfaction. Right? It's not, right? So my satisfaction came and, and my my ability to help the most people in the best way, right, came by helping concerned, committed, and serious students become a warrior. And maybe you don't use that word, right? But to become the kind of modern day hero protector that in all honesty, and this may sound cheesy, right? That the world needs more of right now. They need us. The world needs us. People need us. The cops can't do everything. The government can't do everything, right? There are these freaking insidious monsters right? That know how to navigate the system, right? So anyway, right? So, and now, right now doing this, right? I've, I found that satisfaction that I was looking for, right? When I decided to become a police officer, this is cool and shit. I mean, I'm helping people. I never thought, I never thought I would have a martial arts school, let alone 
having students across the planet, in India, in Australia, in uh, the UK, in Macau, in, uh, Canada, across the United States, Mexico, really, in places I didn't never even heard of before, right? Never even heard of Turks and Caicos before I started doing this, and now it's on my bucket list to go visit. And so, uh, cool shit. Anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, I never dreamed that I'd end up presenting to um, uh, medical professionals concerned about workplace violence in Dublin, Ireland, right? Because, but that's where all this study and research has taken me. And the ability to put together programs that perfectly suit specific individuals, right? Whether they're survivalists or they just want to learn some basic self-defense or they're nurses who have to worry about aggressive patients and, and family members and all that, or, you know, the executives who are constantly, whether they know it or not, walking around on a, with a bullseye on their chest, right? For any disgruntled employee, activist, uh, social justice warrior with an agenda, and your name happens to be on the hit list, whatever, right? So, I, I really think that I've gotten a handle on this stuff, not just for me, but my ability to dip into that and pull out and create something from this greater body of knowledge that perfectly suits somebody. Or maybe they do want to learn need to or self-defense or whatever, but they're at a certain point, right? Great. So why am I why am I doing what a bunch of these other people doing and freaking just regurgitating, just throwing up everything I know on you? What am I doing? Impressing you, trying to find disciples. It's not serving you, giving you 25 years worth of techniques, right? Now look at all this for just one low price. Of, really? Great. Now you feel great when you bought it because you got 25 years worth of whatever. But what's the logical progression to go through that? And is that correct? Or is that just a progression that somebody made up, but they don't have any real world experience at ducking punches or ducking bullets had a 45 caliber round come out of my weapon during an arrest where I was trying to take somebody, got my weapon out, we're fighting over this. It comes to my head and I move just in time for this round to miss my head by no more than a finger's width. Ears ringing for a day, powder burns, all that kind of stuff, right? So when I teach gun defense and all that, the things that I teach, right, comes from experience, not regurgitating somebody else's shit. And that's something that a teacher told me a long time ago when he was teaching. He would say, everything I'm about to teach you is shit. Of course, that made everybody's jaw hang open, right? I smiled because I was used to his teaching method, right? He says, shit, right? Until you take this stuff and you make it your own and you own it, you do something with it, it's shit. As a matter of fact, it's worse than shit because shit at least can be used as fertilizer to grow plants bigger. Okay? Having belief in something but you're how far down the line from somebody who's actually ever used it. And a bunch of, there's, there's other students, there's other teachers in this art who have actually used it on the battlefield as a cop, as a security person, whatever, right? It's a bouncer, whatever. So they've used the stuff that they're teaching you. But anybody that's teaching you things that have never actually used it against somebody who's trying to beat, break, or kill you. That's all it is belief okay hope it doesn't fail you when you need it the most because that's going to be a bad fucking day anyway sorry so let me just round this out right 
So again, I'm just, I'm, I'm jazzed, right? I'm, I'm ready to go on with this. I know where I'm going with the rest of CUDA, CUDEN, putting together some other programs right now, which I'll talk to you about maybe later on. Uh, but I'm going to make these much more regular. Before, we used to do them like once a week, whatever. But with all these ability to go live and live streaming and all that kind of stuff, um, if I don't do these things daily, it's going to be at least a couple of times a week, right? And they might be split up into different topic themes. Um, but... Uh, yeah. So even if all I do is hop on and share some thoughts about, you know, in this class, the reason I taught this class was it was important to me that students learned X, Y, Z kind of thing. Right. Um, or a program that I'm working on or you know, whatever. Right. So if you're a do it yourself and you're jumping around YouTube trying to collect all these, you know, whatever. Um, great. Uh, you know, you might be interested in this one thing I'm going to be offering here in the next couple of days. Um, you can go there and just, you know, put in your name and email or whatever. Right. And I'm giving the module one workbook that covers all the front end self-defense using the ninja's principles and all that against the most common attacks that we would encounter in the Western world, right? Going to give that away, right? So you might be interested in, in watching for that. If not, no harm, no foul, right? But anyway, um, again, I, you know, I just, I, I'm just jazzed, right? Because this, this has now is, is allowing me, right? To help as many people as possible to serve, right? To, to give back, right? To, I don't, if I'm your protector, it's you know, indirectly, right? I don't want to be your protector. I don't teach you how to protect yourself. Okay? And this is something I don't think a lot of martial arts instructors give much thought to. And we'll, we'll do a whole other segment on this down the line, right? So I don't, I don't think most people give thought to this, students or teachers. You know, teachers walking around, look, look what I know, uh, teaching you, right? But Teachers and students both need to give this some thought, right? You are literally putting your life and the life lives of your family members, close friends, anybody you you you, uh, you know choose to protect. You're putting those lives in your instructor's hands until such a time arises that you're actually able to do this for yourself. You're putting your life in their hands because everything they teach you. You're going to take to heart and hope it works. I take that seriously. And before you think I'm too altruistic, like I want to really make sure you get everything the right way or whatever. I'm 58 and a half. I'm pushing 60, right? The, the, the hourglass is, is emptying, right? I don't know how much longer, you know, I'm, hopefully I've got into my 80s, 90s. My, my goal for life is 108, so. And it's because of our Mikio stuff and the number of defilements a human being has. And I, I started late, so I've got some catching up to do. But anyway, right, I know there may come a time. I mean, just what, last year, year and a half ago, I slipped on ice and broke my back. I was down and out. I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. I couldn't move well for months. If I needed one of my students to protect me or my family during that time, sure as shit, I better be teaching them the right thing and not just walking around like some megalomaniac because I got me a black belt and I'm a Dai Shiad, whatever, right? Because I'd feel like shit. If I was down and out, one of you got trained by me and you had to protect my family and you failed, not because it was overwhelming. There's lots of reasons that that could happen, right? But I taught you crappy shit. And I lost them. The amount of loss and guilt and shame and all that shit I had from, from 
not being able to protect other people's family members. Holy shit. Talk about anguish. That would be worse than that stepfather. So no, absolutely not. I take this very, very, very seriously. I don't need to walk around like some guru. I don't need to walk around light and sage. I don't need you to adore me or validate me. If you are going to listen to what I'm teaching, I need, I do need you to freaking take it to heart and pay attention. Okay. Cause we are talking about your life, success side or death side. What this, this is not just, cause I'm not looking for people that are looking for, you know, look what I got. Ooh, pick us up in Japan. Looks, uh, okay. I wear this because it makes people pay attention. Ooh, what's that? Okay. See now, if you don't do that, then they're not ready to listen to you anyway. So ninja mind science. Anyway, right, so um, here's what I want to kind of round this out with, right? My goal has always been and continues to be to help as many people as possible to stay safe, to protect themselves, again, against the monsters. And I know, I know those monsters are, are you and I both know, those, these monsters are lurking, right? They're, they're lurking, they're searching, they're planning, right? And they're waiting to pounce on their next freaking victim, right? But they're going to have a harder and harder job because you and I will be there to stop them. That's my journey. If it was boring, I apologize. If it was too much, sorry. I have told you more about, I don't think I've ever told anybody other than alluding here or there. This story, starting all the way back and going from terror. And, you know, at some other point, I'm going to talk about training and trying to come up with the money or the time or getting my spouse to allow me or whatever. All these things that stop people who say they want to and know they better get this shit handled or they're going to die or they're afraid they're going to die. And yet they let things that are pale by comparison stop them, slow them down, whatever. Okay. Anyway, so that's where we're going forward. Okay. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. If you want more information or whatever, uh, like I said, if you want to, if you want to uh, get or, or listen to any of the uh, past 68 uh, episodes, which again, I don't, they don't have this in it, right? Um, you can go to modern ninja warrior.com forward slash uh, Kuden, K-U-D-E-N, dash podcast, dash episodes, right? Um, not only can you listen to them because there are buttons to, to listen to them and all that. The whole library is there. Uh, you can go to iTunes. You can go to uh, Stitcher Radio. You can go to TuneIn. You can go to Google Play, whatever. We're on those. Um, but there's also, at the top of, of that uh, section, there should be a, a, a little place where you can sign up to get on the Kuden subscriber list so that you get first notification um, when I'm getting ready to, to do one of these things or when uh, the next episode is posted and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, if you um, if you have any questions, if you have topics that you would like to hear me uh, teach on or discuss or whatever, you have questions, you have, I don't know, we can play the game of stump the chump. Okay. You saw crime happen. You saw the situation. You're terrified. You saw this thing and oh shit, that, how, how could we handle that, right? Give me a scenario. We'll work through it, okay? 
I'll give you some ideas. This is the same kind of stuff that I do with my personal inner, inner circle students um, every week on their coaching calls. Okay. Um, probably not going to go into the same depth that I do with them because uh, the format's different, right? And they're, they're uh, you know, in a certain program at a certain level and all that kind of stuff, right? But we can certainly, certainly work with this, okay? So if you really want to help things out, you know, share this, right? Share it out to your network, help other people find this, get to it, um, you know, but, um, and also let me know if you could resonate with any of that stuff that I was talking about. You know, maybe you weren't the terrified child. Maybe you experienced violence in a different way. Um, but, you know, in the comments or, you know, shoot me an email. You can send any emails to, I hope now I'm going to get a deluge of things. But anyway, um, Warrior C, W-A-R-R-I-O-R and the letter C, at warrior-concepts, with an S, concepts-online.com. Uh, send me your story, right? If you know the moment, your aha moment, that you knew you had to learn some stuff, right? Before that, you might have thought, that'd be cool to know, right? Oh, there's danger in the world. I should probably learn some stuff. But if there was a definitive moment like mine, it doesn't have to be like mine to that intensity, right? But if there was a moment, even if you got, got away from it, somebody else, you know, came in, it all diffused and all that, and, you know, you walked away that way, um, share it. I love collecting stories, right? But I believe that without that passionate drive, challenges are going to derail you really easily. Okay? Having this and getting this, or at least this aspect of your life handled so that you don't have to worry about it, right? You know, you don't have to be one of those people that are like, I choose peace. I'm a peaceful person. I don't like to fight, Okay. The only people that can truly choose peace over violence are people that are able to deal with violence, that have the skills to do that. I choose peace every day in light of all the skills that I have. Somebody's yelling and screaming at me. Uh, people are, you know, people charge into my dojo and threaten me and I talk them back out of the place, right? So, but I choose peace every day. People that choose peace but have no skills are not peaceful, okay? They're not peaceful. <laughs> what are they? They're a mouth with legs. They're sheep. They're, they are hoping and praying that the wolf never comes to their door. I choose peace. Really? Last time a violent person was in your face, grabbing you by the throat and, and threatening to jack your face to the back of your skull. And you chose peace. Bullshit. Hope you're wearing Depends in that moment. Okay? They're, they're, they're not peaceful. They're incapable. They're, what's a good word? They're helpless. Okay? Don't be that. You want to really enjoy life and have less stress and less fear and all that? Get this shit handled. Okay? Anyway. All right. So 
Uh, I see a couple of people posted a couple of things here. Let's see. Oh, one of my guys, Josh, was on. Hey, Sensei Mick, glad you got the pod back on the stage. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, Shane was on. Hello. Hello. Uh, a couple. Uh, somebody shared. Excellent. Okay. A couple of people liked and all that. It's, I, I know. I, I put this out that I'm going to do this, right? Because there's one of the moments where I was like, you know what? Let's, I'm going to do it. Let's just do it now. So I sent out emails and made a couple of posts and all that and said, hey, a couple of minutes. I'm going live. Right. So a bunch of people are going to be watching this as a recording. Um, but, um, yeah, if you want to keep track of it and all that, uh, like share, help me spread the word to help as many people as possible. Okay. If you know, people that are looking for, you know, this guy helping all that, let them know. And I apologize that my story took what an hour and a half. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I thought it was important that everybody knew that not just, uh, I just didn't, you know, walk out of the womb Kung Fu fighter, right? Um, that I do understand. And I understand what it means to get here through unsurmount what appears to be unsurmountable odds. The fact that I lived to 18 to join the military and become a cop and to find these teachers and all that is a freaking miracle. So here we go. All right. So if you're going to stay with us, as they say in the amusement park, after you get on the ride, please hold on to the bar. All right. That's it. I'm going to wrap this up. I'll talk to everybody again next time. See you guys. Bye-bye.